Good morning. It's good to see the whites of your eyes. I sense the Holy Spirit is continuing to work in us now. And I just want to remind you of what we've sung about, that Jesus came into the world, a gift from God, born into poverty and obscurity. The gift that the Magi gave his family didn't seem to make a huge amount of difference over time. He didn't seem to have a lot of money all through his life. In fact, when he died, uh, those executioners rolled the dice for his stuff. By the grace of God, he was buried amongst the rich. And he was worthy to break open the scroll for all of us. That is the big story to have in the back of our mind as we go through the Christmas, well, through life, but certainly through the Christmas period. The reason I say that, keep that big story in mind, is we're going to get a little bit gritty this morning about something I feel that God has laid on my heart for us in this season. So we're going to be in our Bibles in 1 Timothy chapter 2. This was billed as a run-up for our Advent series. That's where it started, but through prayer, meditation, meeting with God, uh, this may not feel like a classic Advent uh, sermon this morning. If you're online, people are looking at me as if to say, what is now going to happen? Uh, it's great. But we're going to, the book of Timothy, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, this was written uh, by the Apostle Paul to Timothy, his delegate. He's in Ephesus. This church has been established. It's going well, but it's got some issues. One of which was weird teaching had crept into the church. Such that there was this teaching going on that if you had wealth, that wasn't great. That true holiness was found uh, through living in the desert or not being married or not having nice food, not enjoying material things. That is where true happiness and holiness is found. And that teaching was being massaged into the church. And if you know anything about church history, you know there was a great movement of what's called the Desert Fathers. They'd live in caves on top of poles. Uh, They would be cold and not eat much. There's this whole teaching that was in the life of the church, which the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy, teach against this. And he's bringing this teaching to this church, and we're going to look at that this morning. There's something for us. The reason being, I think, that as... We approach Christmas. As the cost of living crisis begins to bite, I was at a family gathering yesterday. We're all talking about thermostat levels and fuel consumption and the cost of living. As this starts to take bite on the church, we just want to make sure that we refresh and we reset our thinking around money and wealth. This is a gospel issue as to who we are. We, the church, broadly, we, Reading Family Church, need to think brutally and clinically clear about what the Bible says about wealth and money. We good for that? As we're coming to Christmas, as we talk about the cost of living, crisis that's beginning to bite. Now, this morning, unashamedly, I'm primarily talking to those of us in RFC who are rich in this world. So if you don't think you're in that camp, I'm probably not going to say too much to you this morning. But for those of us who the Bible says are rich in this world, 
I'm talking to you. And the good news is we get to decide which group we map ourselves into, at least for this morning. Now, if you're not sure how you're going to decide which one you're in, whether you're rich in this world or not, a website called How Rich Am I? Has anyone else looked at that? Come on, you have. How Rich Am I? It's a helpful tool because it maps your income into the global economy. Because globalisation is a big thing now, isn't it? You need to know about this website. It's great. <laughs> I'll give you a heads up. To some, don't look at it now. Not now. In about half an hour or so. Here's the headlines for you. If you earn 20k a year, you're in the richest 6.4% of the global population. If you earn £30,000 a year, you're in the richest 3.4%. If you're in the heady heights of £50,000... Now, just to say, I don't know how much any of you earn or how much you give to the church, okay? So if I catch your eye... <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know. Somebody knows it's not me. If you earn 50000 you are in the richest 1.2% of the global economy. So if you have concluded you are not rich in this world, I've just got a very small passage of the Bible to read to you. And this is from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Because I've got to say something to you, haven't I? If you're not rich in this world, you can't come to church and be bored. So this, this is for you. 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 10. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. It's true, isn't it? So if we have enough food and clothing, the Bible says, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Bible says this, for the love of money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So if you have concluded that you're not rich in this world, that is you guys done. Nice and easy. Enjoy the rest of the sermon. But for those of us who are rich in this world, we are going to turn to 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Buckle up. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience 
true life. Holy Spirit, may these words be alive to us with grace and hope and joy and gladness and great faith. May we be a church that enjoys all that you give and wisely handle your kindness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to very briefly look at this verse, these verses slowly. We're going to quickly look at the dangers of being rich in this world, the duty of those who are rich in this world, and the benefit of being rich Christian in this world. And then I'm going to suggest a few points of application for all of us that will not only bless us who are rich in this world, but mightily bless those who aren't rich in this world. So the first of us, the dangers. The dangers of being rich in this world. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust, to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So the danger of being rich in this world is twofold. That we look down on those of less than us, and that we develop a false sense of security. So the big thing is, if you're rich in this world, there's this danger of pride in our lives. Uh, we've got money. It seems to have this uncannily uh, ability to make us feel important. If you've got money in your pocket, you, you, you just feel like a VIP. You ever been like that? You've got money in your pocket. You, you just feel important. And it's weird because it's not like we're better than someone because they have money or don't have money. And yet it somehow makes, it engenders that in us. And the Bible teaches even more so that all we have is a gift from God. Even your ability to make money, the Bible says, is a gift from God. And yet we're tempted to think that those who have less than us is because they've made poor choices or somehow they're less deserving or somehow they don't need as much as us that they can be content with us. There's this pride thing that somehow money can engender in us. And, and money also gives us a false sense of security. It just engenders that. Money is so uncertain, not just because of moth and rust and burglars, but because of a pandemic and because of war. And because of raging inflation. I mean, many have gone to bed rich and woken up poor. They have. I was talking to a guy recently. He's put all of his family's life saving into cryptocurrency. Godly guy. And, it's, and it's, he said to me, it's still underwater. It's so unreliable. It's true, isn't it? It is so unreliable. See, the appropriate focus of our trust, the Bible says, is a person, it's not a thing. Our, our trust shouldn't be in money, but in our God. And he gives us money for our enjoyment. God is a generous giver who wants us to enjoy the good gifts of his creation. But we're to put our trust in the giver and not the gift. So th there is some dangers if you're rich in this world, but there's also some duties that complement that. The duty of being rich in this world. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in needs. 
not just generous to their family and their friends and to themselves, but to be generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Timothy is helping those in the church who are rich in the world to develop a sense of responsibility, to use their wealth to make themselves rich in good works. And in so doing, they're imitating God, who out of his riches, richly provides for all of us everything that we need. That's what God does. We get to do that. But the thing about wealth is it can make us lazy towards the care of others. But the Bible says all Christians have a duty to be generous to those in need, especially in the church family. And just to say the obvious, this verse doesn't promise that we'll be immediately replenished when we're generous. Being generous to others may result in you having less money. But the Bible tells us we're always to be ready to share, which is both a trusting God issue and also a living below your means issue so that you've got money spare to share and to be generous to others, not just consume it all. So there's dangers, pride and a full sense of security. There's also some duty, being generous and good works, sharing with others who have less than us. And there's also a huge benefit to be rich in the world. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that we might experience true life. Anyone up for experiencing true life? It's not just me. I want to experience true life. Teach them, Paul is saying to Timothy. Tell them. Give them a sense of perspective. Equip them in the ability to generate, to create spiritual treasure for the future. Who would like to inflation-proof their savings? You know, a thousand pounds today only bought about 900 pounds worth of goods now than from a year ago. Wouldn't it be great? As trustees, we've literally sat down and figured, how can we inflation hedge our savings to deposit for the church? We've even talked about, should we buy gold? For lots of reasons, we're not going to buy gold. <laughs> but we're watching the savings we have as a church. It's taken us 10 years so we can buy a building. It seems to be buying less. It's more complex than that. Who wants to inflation-proof their money? Most of us, I guess. Okay, let's ground this again. Straw pot, okay? What is more valuable? High five for one or thumbs up? What's more value? Is it more value to be rich in this world or in the age to come? Which is high five or thumbs up? Is there any? Okay, you're getting the hang of this. You ready to go again? Because I think we say things, but our hearts don't believe it. So this is why we're doing this. So I'm giving this repetition. I'm helping you to actually believe what you're saying. Is it more value to accumulate treasure on earth or in heaven? I'm hoping this is get more of a natural reflex. We do again. Is it more valuable to hold on to money or to experience true life now? I'll rephrase that. To hold on to a lot of money. Because money is morally neutral. It's the love of money is the issue. Is it better to hold on to a lot of money now 
or experience true life now? Let's do that again. That's a bit more clearer, isn't it? Money is morally neutral, but not against money. They who are rich in this world are not to be proud or despise those who have less, but they are to be rich to do good and to be generous. Those who are rich in this world are to fix their hope on God, who is a giver, and to fix their hope on the great treasure of eternal life, and they're to use their money to send spiritual treasure on ahead, as well as enjoying life now. Is that all good? Okay, so what? So what? We who are rich, those of us in this room, online, in our church, who map into the richest 5% of the global population, what now for us? Three simple things. So against the danger of money, let's enjoy life. God has richly given us all we need for our enjoyment. Who wants to enjoy Christmas and then the new year? Anyone else? There's a few of us want to enjoy life. Some of you are just grumpy. I don't want to come to your house for Christmas. I want to be full of joy in the gospel of Jesus. God has richly given us all that we need for our enjoyment. By faith, we can enjoy what God has given us. Here's some top tips. But let me just, as we enjoy life, as we enjoy the riches God has given us, let's avoid some things and pursue some others. You can flick that table up. Let's avoid materialism. This obsession in our culture of material possessions and comfort. Let's just avoid that. Let's pursue simplicity. Let's get simplicity into our vocabularies as a church. And by simplicity, I mean we can enjoy stuff without owning it. You don't need to own it to enjoy it. Let's live simply. Let's avoid... The, the, not, let's avoid not just materialism, it's ugly sister, asceticism. This rejection of material possessions and comfort. Let, let's, where it says like, no, we just want an austere life. I'm going to live on a pole. I'm never going to turn my heating on because that's going to make me way more holy. <laughs> let's avoid asceticism, this kind of rejection of material possessions and comfort. And let's pursue Gratitude. You know, people who are grateful, they're quick to return kindness to people. If you want to know what gratitude is, what's your readiness to return kindness to people like? When people do things for you, is, does it, is it a sense of entitlement in you or gratitude? If it's entitlement, you, you won't be kind to them. If, it's gra- if you're a deeply grateful person, if you know how much you're forgiven, you forgive other people. You know, if you, if, let's pursue gratitude. Let's be quick to return kindnesses to people. Let's pursue that as we enjoy what God has given us. Let's avoid covetousness. That lust for more possessions. And I use that word uh, intentionally. The lust for more. More stuff. It, it can be like that, can't it? And let's pursue contentment. You know, your happiness and your satisfaction is in God. Let's pursue, that, that's, that's a pursuit. That's not an end goal. We don't achieve that. We pursue that. Let's reject covetousness 
I want more stuff to make me feel happy and satisfied. I'm going to pursue God. You meet people, when, when you meet money, money, people who are rich in this world, but their satisfaction and happiness, their contentment isn't in their riches, it's in God. They are beautiful people to be around. They're a joy. Let's avoid selfishness. Being primarily concerned with yourself, that your great wealth is primarily about you. Rather, let's pursue generosity. Let's imitate God who gives us all that we need out of his great riches. He's generous. So let's safeguard the danger of riches by enjoying life as we pursue simplicity and gratitude and contentment and generosity. And let's step up and into our duty as being those who are rich in this world. I'm just preaching the Bible to you. Preparing your hearts, resetting and refreshing your thinking around the great wealth that many of us enjoy in this church. Let's be ready. Let's be ready to do good with our money. To be rich in good works. To be generous to those in needs. And always, always being ready to share with others. And as I was reflecting on this in my own life, I think that what that means for me is just being ready to, to redirect an income or an expenditure that I planned over the coming months. Now, British Gas are going to give me another £66 this month, my energy rebate. Anyone else? Got, I guess most of us are getting a 66 quid a month for four months. I'm just thinking, God, I felt God say to me, just be open about redirecting that 66. But I don't really need it. It's a, I do, everyone needs it, you know what I mean? But it, it was unexpected. I think, let's be open. Say, so can I redirect some of that or all of that? If you get a Christmas bonus, some of us will. Could you reject some of that, if not all of that, so that you're ready? Could you set a Christmas or a New Year budget rather than just spend... Could you set a budget such that you've got more spare money that you can free up to give to others over Christmas? Rather than just buy it, just do less, spend less. Could you avoid debt or adding to your credit card over the Christmas period? Maybe some of us can do that. And what that will do, that helps create future financial headroom for you to respond to the needs of others. If you don't spend it now, it means when January's credit card hits... You'll have that money available for other people in January when pressure hits them. I'm being very gritty and practical this morning. Could we all just acknowledge there's a 24-7 industry that is focused solely on creating desires in us and taking those desires to feel like needs within us and then transferring that need to a purchase being made. Just acknowledge that industry not only exists, but is excellent at what it does. Just know that. And therefore, given that injury exists and they're excellent at what they do, consider unsubscribing from those shopping websites that alert you of those special deals that grab your spare cash for things you weren't thinking about 10 minutes ago. Just unsubscribe from it 
And that will help you be ready to be generous for those in need, particularly in our church family, but also those beyond us. Could you create a bank account, transfer the money to it, and name that account? I've literally done this this week. I've named an account, be ready, and I've put the 66 quid in there from British Gas. I am ready. I'm ready. Timothy was to equip the rich in the world to be ready. In that church, they're ready. Enjoying life, and they are ready. And then the last thing, the benefit of being rich is we get to store up treasure as a future foundation for us so that we can enjoy life now. Let's store up. Sisters, brothers, let's store up. We are to use good works, generosity, and being ready to share so that we get to lay up, to store up a firm foundation for the coming age. And in so doing, we are able to take hold of life that is truly life. God is our source. We, we get to trust in him. We get to demonstrate him to a world. Let's do that. Let's use our money to live an authentic life that begins now and continues in the age to come. And let's remind ourselves, we own money. It doesn't own us. We can make money spiritually work for us. I'm 55 now. I'm just starting to realize that I am going to retire. And people give me advice, Sean, you need to generate an income for yourself when you're retired. You need to generate an income. That's really important. And I'm, I'm balancing that wise teaching with, but actually I could spend the next year laying up a treasure in heaven for me that is going to be way more valuable eternally than having, I, I do want a, a healthy pension. But I'm thinking, I need to think differently about my future whilst embracing the, the good wisdom we have as a church family around finances. But we own money, it doesn't own us. We can make it spiritually work for us. Now don't forget, we make choices with our money and then those choices make us. We make choices with our money and then those choices will make us. And we need to remember that wealth is deceitful. It promises what it cannot deliver. It cannot guarantee security or contentment. It's all got very quiet. Online, it's gone very quiet in the room now. I don't know whether I'm missing it or the Holy Spirit, I'm hoping, is stirring hearts, preparing us to enjoy this season that we're moving into. Let's just acknowledge, living where we do, our great privilege, and let's use it for the good of others. Let's be generous with our privilege and our wealth. Let, let, you know, let's just be generous with it. Let's use our newly created Be Ready bank accounts to bless someone in the church family, especially those who are in need amongst us. Last Sunday, I spoke to Scott. You don't get to hear all this, but I spoke to Scott, and he just said, oh, someone gave me an envelope last week full of cash. No, he didn't say full of cash. It had cash in it. I was imagining this great big wad. But I love these stories. He said, someone gave me an envelope to pass on to someone else in our church who's under financial pressure. I love that about us, the money that moves around in our church. But I want to say this, because if you're new here, you won't know this. 
If you have financial needs, please would you tell your life group leaders, some of them stood up today. Or if you don't have a life group leader, would, why didn't you tell a deacon in our church or an elder in our church? You see, the Bible, when it talks about equality, it's when the haves help the have-nots. Not that we all have the same. I don't think that's going to happen, this side of glory. True equality is when the haves give to the have-nots. And in British culture, no one likes to put their hand up to say they have not because they think all the rich are going to look down on them because of their pride. And that's what we've got to break in our church family because that's not Bible talk. Bible talk says, you've got a need, I'm going to make, I'm not better than you, but I'm laying up treasure by giving this to you. So it's good for me and it's good for you. Let's enjoy life. For the, and we're in the global rich. Most of us are in the top 5% of the global population. Let there be no poor amongst us. Whatever that means, let's work it out as a church family. If you would like, if you would like to help someone in our church family, but you don't know who, because it is dog awkward, isn't it? Like, I'll be honest, fellow, those clothes you're wearing, you're in trouble. <laughs> and they're saying, dude, these, this is trendy, this is ripped jeans. Like my boy, he wears ripped jeans, I'm thinking he's in financial hardship, he's saying. <laughs> so there, it is complex, working it out, I get it. If you need some help to know who in our church family, what we don't want to do is just church centrally, we will do that. The life group leaders have been asked, where do we need to give hampers or uh, food vouchers to in our church? Do we do that centrally? We don't want to outsource those good works. You know, really, we need money flowing amongst ourselves in healthy, non-power, what, you know, dynamic ways. If you need help then to, to meet the needs of someone in our church family, ask your life group leader. These are godly people. Ask an, a deacon or an elder in our church. And if those guys don't know, they will figure know a way to find it out. Talk to them so that you can lay up treasure for yourself as you enjoy your Christmas. Alternatively, and I'm going to get a big cheer for the guys online when they hear this, give some money to our RFC Beyonders this Christmas. They will really appreciate your generosity and it will massively encourage them. I mean, they're looking at the currency markets moving up and down, they figure the longer they're out there, the more we forget them. And then the new people come through Family Rogers. Yay! They're in Bodrum. They've landed on Thursday. They're off. And then you've gone out. The longer you're out there, the harder it is. Laura Lee Lovering been out for nine or so years now. Just send them some cash. It doesn't have to be a large amount. It does them good. So particularly look after those in the church family. But alternatively, why don't you find a Reading-based charity? or a national charity, or an international charity, and use that as a tool for you to lay up treasure in the age to come in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's keep using our wealth, those of us in this church who are rich in the world, whoever you are, let's use our wealth to lay up treasure for the coming age. I'm going to pray for us Sisters, brothers, as pastors, we love you. We want to teach the Bible to you. We want you to have a great Christmas and New Year. We want you to move into this cost of living crisis as a family looking out for one another. So we need to preach the Bible to you. 
as we do the Advent, as we prepare for the great gift and provision of God to us. Holy Spirit, I believe you've been with us in our singing, listening to what's going on in the church. I believe even as I've been explaining these verses in Timothy, that you are putting a deposit in us, bringing us through to maturity, to have our thinking refreshed, reset, as we steward many of us great wealth on a global scene. Please, may we do that joyfully with, with lightness, gladness. We pray for those amongst us who have less. Help us to put our arms around them and meet their needs. I pray that all of us, with a godliness with contentment, is itself great wealth. I pray that we be a church that knows godliness with contentment. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.